welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore what it means to live the feminine genius. You know, there are a lot of myths surrounding what it means to be Catholic and the Catholic Church, but two that I hear about quite a bit are number one, the Catholic Church doesn't honor women, or some go as to, so far as to say that the Catholic Church hates women. And the second myth that I hear a lot, mostly in all honesty from, from other Catholics, is that a life of prayer and holiness is something that you're not going to be able to attain unless you're a big shot, like think John of the Cross, Edith Stein, Catherine of Siena. If you're not one of them, it's not going to happen. This week on Letters to Women, we're diving deep into how the Catholic Church honors and empowers women like nobody else, and how every single one of us is invited to union with God and a deep, rich prayer life. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. I hope you enjoy it. We are welcoming to the show Catherine Lopez. She is a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and the editor-at-large of National Review Magazine. She also directs the Center for Religion, Culture, and Civil Society at the National Review Institute, and she is the curator of a brand new book published by St. Benedict's Press, A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living, that has been rocking my interior life for the past couple weeks that I've been able to dig into it. So Catherine, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you on Letters to Women. Oh, thank you, Chloe. Thank you for having these conversations. It's so important to help people with their walk deeper into the heart of the Trinity. So so I'm so happy to, to be on and to know you exist. For those who haven't got the chance to get to know you, Catherine, through your work at National Review, can you share with us a little bit about your story? Well, I've worked at uh, National Review. I've had the blessing of working at National Review for um, uh, um, uh, now, now I forget, over, <laughs> over 20 years. Um, and I think we're on 23 or something. Um, you lose track after a while. But what, so National Review is a, a conservative political cultural magazine, and it was founded by William F. Buckley Jr. in 1955. And um, Bill, Bill, who died about 11 years ago now, um, he, uh, he, he was Catholic and, and um, very, he was very public about his Catholicism. It was a part of who he was. It was the filter with which he viewed the world. Uh, so he, would, he was writing about politics. Uh, but it was always informed by by his background, uh, his faith background, um, which he was something he got from his his parents, his mother in particular, who was a very pious woman. It's my understanding that he is cer- certainly in the the later years, um, but but um, my understanding is longer. He prayed the rosary every day. Um, you know that that's not something that people often associate with. You know. High-powered, <laughs> you know, with commentators and and things. He had the longest-running public affairs show uh, for for a while on on PBS called Firing Line. He was um, he was really a part of of the culture. He would be on Laughing and Johnny Carson yeah. now and again. Um, and and um, and so actually, when he died, um, I because I was editor of um, our National Review Online at the time, I announced. Um, his death to the world, oh. and so people sent me their their uh, testimonies, um, and um, a, a number of priests told me that he influenced their vocation because they they read National Review, they they saw him on Firing Line, and he talked about his faith, and it was such a a part of of integrated part of who he was. Um, one religious sister said the same, and um, and and also one. Um, one man, a, a medical doctor, told me that he didn't have a, a dad 
in the picture when he was growing up and watching firing line once a week. Uh, you know, this, this, this man who had it together, you know, um, and, um, uh, came into his home and that was a real influence on, on his life. So, um, I, you know, I, I started, if you, if you Google things that I wrote, 20 years ago, um, you know, it's about politics. I mean, it, I would, I, I remember very early on interviewing William, um, William Peter Blatty, the author of The Exorcist, you know, yeah. um, I, I always did weave in faith a little bit. Um, and it was, uh, it, it would influence things that I assigned. And, but when, um, when Bill died, um, it was a first sort of moment where I started writing about the face more um, because uh, somebody asked me, there was a conference on his life and they asked me to, uh, uh, to talk about him as a Catholic journalist. Oh, wow. And um, I, I decided I was going to read everything he ever wrote about the Catholic church. And I think I'm still reading them <laughs> uh, because well, think about it. If you have a syndicated column that appears three times a week, Holy um, which he did for many of, of the years of his adult life, and you have a magazine you have to fill, and you're on, uh, it, well, you're, it, yes, you're on TV, so there are transcripts, that, that, that's more reading, and you, you've written, I forget how many books he wrote, but more than, than um, uh, most people today probably read. <laughs> um, so, so when I had an appreciation, a newfound appreciation for just how much he would write about the church, and it could be like an encyclical, it could be a crime story involving a priest in confession, it could be it could be his pilgrimage to Lourdes, which was the cover story on on Nash, one of National Review's cover stories once, that made me feel a little freer to be in a secular place. Um, because it's not a Catholic magazine, and and write a, about the faith freely. And also when Pope Benedict resigned, people suddenly had a newfound interest in the church. And so uh, everybody <laughs> seems to seems to talk about the church now. Um, but but I've been blessed to be able to focus a little bit more on the on the prayer aspect and the practice. You know. Yeah, that's so beautiful to see. I think two worlds that a lot of people may like keeping separate mentally, this political, uh, the the sphere of politics and the sphere of religion, and to have an opportunity to really bring those two together, both in your own personal life as you've been doing the research, but also seeing his witness to that is really incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's real a real blessing. And, and I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to carry on that tradition a little bit and highlight it too, which, which is something that I, I do at the, at the National Review Institute, just pointing out some of the stuff that he wrote and said and did, it, which is a, is a real blessing, I think, particularly now um, when politics is so crazy yeah. and it's making people crazy. A lot of people come up to, to those of us who work at National Review and say, you know, what, what would Bill Buckley say today? I have no idea, right. but I do know what he did say. And part of what he did say is whenever he talked about America so often, when he, I should say, when he talked about America, he, he always pointed back to Bethlehem. You know, um, he always, you didn't, you didn't have to be a religious believer to be a conservative, but you had to appreciate the, the, the value of Christianity and, and the need to have Christians in your midst. Um, to be a conservative in the Bill Buckley um, view. 
The one other thing, Chloe, I wanted to, to mention is in 2012, particularly talking about women, in um, 2012, I got a phone call and, um, and it was from a priest at the Vatican uh, from New Jersey, Father Gino, mm-hmm. great New Jersey name. <laughs> and, and he um, he said, well, I, I'm calling on behalf of the Holy Father, and I almost laughed out loud. He said, I actually, he prefaced it by, by saying, please don't hang up on me. <laughs> this isn't a joke. <laughs> because apparently some, somebody else had hung up on him thinking it was a practical joke. <laughs> When he said, I'm calling on behalf of the Holy Father, the Holy Father was Pope Benedict at the time. (laughs) And um, I think a week or two later, it was very short notice, um, there was going to be the opening of Mass for the Year of Faith um, in October 2012. Apparently, Pope Benedict himself, as I understand it, had decided that he wanted to reissue the letters that um, the messages that Paul VI had had issued at the um, end of the Second Vatican Council. Yeah. And so there were letters, you, as you know, <laughs> there's a letter to women yep. and um, and artists and sci- scientists and, and laborers and, and lots, lots of people in different walks of life. So they, um, they apparently needed an American woman. And so I got a phone call um, and Pope Benedict was going to... It, hand me the letter oh wow um, and yeah, yeah that's which was, beautiful which was very beautiful very beautiful um it was a, also it marked the 50th anniversary i believe if i'm remembering right of the opening of of the council okay um so, so it was a little milestone moment there but i had read that letter i think but it hadn't really made an impression on me until i focused on it because the pope was going to give it to me <laughs> on behalf this is what the letter said get this on behalf of all the women of the world. Right, it's good to know it's in the letter. <laughs> Some of my friends to this day will joke about how I'm the representative of all the women of the world, which is a very historical thought, believe me. I don't know that all women in the world want to be represented by me. But but you know those beautiful um, words in that letter where um, where it says, at this moment when the human race is undergoing so deep a transformation, women impregnated with the spirit of the gospel can do so much to aid mankind in not falling. And I, I often, when I'm talking to people, especially if they're not necessarily a Catholic group, I often say, that's, uh, read that and, and, and some more of the, the letter and say, that's actually what the Catholic Church thinks about women. We really, really need women. And um, we need women to be women and be, be, be mothers in the world, Wh- whatever your vocation is. You know, if this is, a, as the letter says, this is a human family, right? That phrase, women impregnated with the, the spirit of the gospel, is just so powerful an image. I often think if, if we could meditate on that, you know, every couple of weeks, at least, yeah. um, it, it, might, it might change our lives. Um, and, um, and, and anyway, that, that was very powerful. I also thought it was really powerful. It was obviously very powerful for me because you don't hang out with the Pope every day <laughs> or, or meet the Pope every day. And I, I remember, too, um, he was so it was those it was the October before he would resign. Yeah. And um, and I just remember how um, how beautiful his face was. It was I remember describing describing it as the cl- maybe the closest I've ever come to, to, to feeling like I was I was gazing into the father's eyes you know yeah, yeah. um it, it, there was such a 
humility to him. And everyone, um, there was a little luncheon after, and many people shared that what they said when they had their little moment with him was thank you, (laughs) you know. Um, thank you for, for being a whole, our Holy Father and, and being so faithful. And, and, um, I, a priest friend of mine, Father Roger Landry, um, had, had said to me, thankfully, because I hadn't even thought about this, um, because I didn't even think like I'd have a conversation with the, <laughs> with the Pope. I thought he just hands you the letter and you kiss his right. ring and you go. <laughs> um, so he prepared me. He said, so what are you going to say to him? And and I decided that I was going to thank him for Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, um, yes. You know the the book. Yes, that's such a because, beautiful piece. And, and 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 really, and I said thank you for Jesus of Nazareth, um, both because they're so rich, mm-hmm. and there's such an engagement with the world too. Um, you know, his, his criticisms and and he really engages um, with um, with uh, all all the academics and, and theologians and. And all, um, but, but, but also, I mean, the most important part of those books is you really come to know Christ better. And so he really gave us the, the gift and, and it continues. I mean, I think people haven't fully appreciated the gift of, of Pope Benedict and his writings. All his Wednesday audiences are so beautiful, especially how he talks about women, women saints. They're, yes. they're, um, so worth going back and reading. I, on, Often on a, a women, some some female saints uh, day uh, feast day, I'll go Google, you know, and reread something he said about Catherine of Siena, or he did a bunch of Catherines actually, um, and uh, Bridget of Sweden. There's just so many women he talked about so beautifully. It reminds me too. It's just such a stark and beautiful example. I love how you mentioned this. That. It's not what the world thinks that the Catholic Church thinks about women. We have Pope Benedict XVI so eloquently and so beautifully. And you're right. I, for one, I have not appreciated his writing. It's in this Just this past year, have really been digging into what he has written. I'm, I'm reading right now his series on the apostles. And it's so beautiful. Um, it's such a hidden gem of his writing and one of many. But it really is just such a beautiful way of honoring the women who've come in the past of the the history of, yeah. of the Catholic Church, and it's it's completely different. It, you know, the stereotype that the Catholic Church hates women, the Catholic Church doesn't have any respect right. for women, and that's so that's definitely not the case. And so to see just a, a, such a tangible example, I think in Pope Benedict, John Paul II, so many um, of the leaders of the Church who have really honored women is just such a invigorating sight to behold. Absolutely, and I, I often I often want to cry when I think of you know when I hear these ridiculous um misunderstandings about about what exactly what you just said you know catholic churches the war on women or 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 all these things um i I often actually laugh when i you walk into a catholic church and mary is celebrated everywhere you know that's that's one of the beasts of course um so many protestants have against us they think that we're worshiping her because we love her so much right um but we we of course don't worship her we we uh we just have been given her as our mother so why the heck not wouldn't we Mm -hmm. celebrate her and she brings us to her son. So totally want her in your life, you know? Right. Um, some of the, the most beautiful parts of, of so many churches travel a lot. So I get to go to a lot of Catholic churches. They're, they're often the Statue of Mary. But you mentioned um, Catherine of Siena when you were talking about reading through 
the writings and in Wednesday audiences of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. And I love how in in your new book that you've curated with Saint Benedict's Press as a year with the mystics. And one of my favorite reflections so far has been the writings of St. Catherine of Siena that you have tucked into this. So can you tell us a little bit more about what really inspired this idea of putting together this, this or curating this collection of the wisdom of the mystics for the everyday Catholic when it comes to their daily meditation? Well, so first of all, Chloe, thank you for using the word curator. I have to confess, I, I as, as when the when the book finally came out, I've been working on this for forever. It seems <laughs> um, I I immediately was a little sheepish about the whole thing, having my name on the cover, um, doing media about quote my book. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm I'm a writer, as we talked about. I've seen my byline before, but but this. Um, this book isn't mine. <laughs> you know, this is this is me sharing um, so so many reflections that have been um, a benefit to my life, and um, and Catherine of Siena. Um, you know, my name's Catherine, so I always had an affinity yeah. to her. Sort of took her as a patron saint pretty pretty early on. Just sort of seems like the obvious thing to do. And, um, and she's so rich. But mm-hmm. at different stages of your life, you know, you just, as, as you were just describing about Pope Benedict, you know, you discover new things. They've right. been there, but, but you're just discovering it in a new way um, or, or appreciating it in a new way. And, and um, I, I've been reading Magnificat, the, the monthly. Yeah. Um, forever. I guess it's 22 years old now. I, I guess I've been reading it for, for its entire lifespan. <laughs> and um, I, and Father Cameron, when he, who was at our Peter John Cameron, he always included, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure he had a Catherine of Siena um, writing from, usually from her letters in every issue. Um, if it wasn't every issue, it was almost every issue. Um, so, uh, so that was a regular diet um, of, of Catherine of Siena. But a, a, a bunch of years ago, I decided to slowly invest in the books that he grabbed those letters from. Um, there's a four-volume set from the University of Arizona by, um, of, of translations of our letters by Sister Suzanne Nofke, um, who's a, a Dominican sister in Wisconsin. And they're just, they're just beautiful and powerful. And you, you read... Um, how she's imploring people and in people all walks of life. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people think of Catherine of Siena and it actually it drove me crazy after the, the Pennsylvania grand jury report and Theodore McCarrick stuff started coming up. People would say, we, we need a new Catherine of Siena and they'd say it on Twitter. And I was getting the impression that basically people's view of Catherine of Siena is if she were alive today, she'd tell off the, the Pope and the bishops on Twitter. You know, the reality of it is she was this deeply holy woman who was imploring bishops and, and princes and, and, you know, the, the guy next door who came to her for spiritual counsel um, to holiness. And she, because she was deeply holy and she was con- continually going deeper and urging everyone else to, to have holy boldness. And she has some great phrases in, in her, her letters, but she's literally begging people to get serious about the Christian life. And so actually at one point in this um, very elongated process of putting together a year with the mystics, 
I um, I said to to the the editors, I, I I think we have to do a year with Catherine of Siena. These letters, they're just yes. too much. We, we have to. <laughs> she gets her People own need book. this right now. So maybe that's another book. But, <laughs> but for now, there there is some there is some Catherine of, of Siena there, and and I. Um, and with all the um, the meditations in there, what what I'm praying that it it helps with is, uh, you know, I know everybody's busy, and I'm sorry, especially if you're a mom with little children, mm-hmm. it's really really hard um, to get time of quiet. But it's also hard for everyone to get any right. quiet time because everyone's distracted. Everybody's looking at a screen, and myself included, um, so often during the day. I mean, I, I know it's not only my experience that every once in a while you're looking at your phone and you, you didn't even realize you were looking at your phone. Yes. Like I'm pressing on some app but without even thinking and I'm getting sucked in and and um, and it's obviously not good. And, it, um, and, and now I say that as someone who who works in media (laughs) contributes to the problem. Um, And what, what I've increasingly been trying to do, like for instance, I, I, we, we had some instance in the last six months where, where somebody reacted too quickly to something that was getting stirred up on Twitter. And I'm sure it'll happen again. That is the nature of Twitter. (laughs) It happens frequently to a, a lot of people. And, and one of my colleagues, I heard, I heard in the next office, as as I was hitting hitting the tweet button, get off Twitter, <laughs> get <laughs> off Twitter, like just stay away because because it you know inflames emotions and, right and and doesn't bring out the best in people often. But you know, a number of years ago, I started. Um, you know, I'll, uh, quoting, I don't know what I originally started with, but, you know, quotes from saints, you know, um, something from the liturgy of the hours, yeah. um, you know, sharing something, you know, from my travels and in whatever church I was in today. Um, and also I started this little homily tweet hashtag that has caught, caught on a little bit. And, um, you know, I just something from, from the homily when, when I go to Daily Mail. And um, people would randomly say to me um, that, you know, your, your, your tweet <laughs> reminded me to pray yesterday. Oh, wow. Or, you know, I kept seeing your tweets and it was like you were nudging me to go back to church. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to continue being crazy Catholic lady on, <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> because you never know what God's going to do with it. Right. And, you know, I'm sure there are lots of people who just think, oh, that crazy, they call me Kalo. Um, <laughs> crazy Kalo, you know, pious woman or whatever. Um, but but there are other people who are, who are um, you know, just by the it, it, God, God, it's living word, right? The, yep. the scriptures. Yep. And, and even on Twitter, he can draw people in. We need to prayerfully discern what our role is. You know, some people may need to get off Twitter entirely. And I have friends and colleagues who have done that. And it's, it's been good for their health and their souls. And uh, um, so, but, but you, if, if you do feel called to, to be a little leaven there, I think, um, I think that's a, a benefit to, to everybody. 
I cannot wait to dive into the life of the mystics with Catherine, but I wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about something brand new and exciting that's happening on November 4th. Are you engaged or planning a wedding or do you know someone who is engaged and in the throes of wedding planning? When you're planning a wedding, everything out there is encouraging you to focus in on the little details like planning a reception or the big details like picking a dress. While those things are so beautiful, you may find yourself craving substance, rest, and simple joy because you want to prepare your heart and soul for the journey to marriage. So on November 4th, I'm so excited to announce that my very first book, Created for Love, Reflections for the Catholic Bride-to-Be, is being released by Our Sunday Visitor. It's a reflection journal to help you be present in each moment of your engagement, to move you past the to-do list so that you can treasure the time long after your wedding day. Inside, you're going to find 10 reflections on each of the characteristics that make a woman uniquely feminine and encounter each one in yourself as you grow to become the woman that God wants you to be. And those include things like receptivity, generosity, sensitivity, and maternity, topics we talk about a lot here on the podcast. Plus, there's space for journaling, scripture to pray with, and quotes from the saints to encourage you. So if you pre-order the book, you're going to get access to some really fun bonus gifts like some phone lock screens, a pack of prayer cards, and an exclusive sneak peek of the first chapter of the book. So you can pre-order your copy today anywhere books are sold. Even Target has copies as if I needed a reason to love Target anymore. And then head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com slash created for love to claim your bonuses. All right, now back to the interview. I love how you share scripture and this wisdom from the mystics, both online, on Twitter, through social media, but also in this new collection. Talk to me about the word mystic, because I love how you spoke into, you're, you're putting out on social media, this draw to holiness, this desire for holiness, and holiness is attractive. It's attracting people because there's, there's beauty there, there's truth there, there's goodness there. But when we encounter the word mystic, maybe it comes across as off-putting or this holier than thou or unattainable. This is this is the wisdom right. and the saints of Teresa of Avila, Edith Stein, Catherine of Siena. I can't get there. So talk to me about the word mystic, right. what exactly it is, and why is this invitation not just for Catherine and Teresa, but for all of us here on this journey to heaven? Well, I really, really, really hope that a year with the mystics, a slow volume or big volume, I guess. <laughs> um, but it does fit in your purse very easily. I hope it demystifies mysticism a little bit. I remember a number of years ago, a friend of mine, um, Gary Jansen, wrote a book. I think it was Ignatian Prayer in the Stations of the Cross. And um, our mutual friend, Jennifer Fulweiler, who has a, a radio show and, yes. and some great books, she wrote the intro to it. And she said the first time she had met Gary, she realized she was like, they were in Central Park or something. And she realized I'm talking to a mystic. And uh, I gave the book to someone. And she said to me, you said that the author of that book is a friend of yours. You you have a friend who's a mystic? <laughs> and so part of, part of the reason I got to the point of doing this book is because St. Benedict's Crest has a series. This is one of a series, a year with the saints, a year with the Eucharist, yeah. a year with the church fathers. And I was interviewing, I think I had interviewed um, Paul Thigpen, who had written, had put together two of them, I think the Saints and uh, Mary, maybe. And um, I asked him, he was an editor at St. Benedict's Press at the time, and I said, you know, you guys really need to do a year with the mystics. And at, at the time, um, it, I, I was just reading a lot of mystics. And uh, to be totally honest with you, I selfishly wanted this book to exist uh, because... I um I would 
love, I was thinking at the time, to have one volume <laughs> versus I was walking around like a crazy person <laughs> with, you, there are these great, you probably know the, the, um, the Paulist Press series, yeah. the um, classics of Western spirituality. Yep. They're these big volumes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be walking around on a given day, I'd grab my Catherine of Siena, I'd grab my Bridget of Sweden, I'd grab, you know, a little, uh, a little, uh, of Francis de Sales and Jane de Chantel. Yeah. And they're big. And they that are. didn't, my back didn't like that at all. <laughs> so, so, in part, I wanted this volume so I didn't have to carry so many books around. Um, and, and one, um, you know, my hope is, and I'm finding this as I'm going through it uh, little by little, uh, um, because beauty attracts as you were saying, um, these meditations just draw you in. And I also, uh, as you mentioned, I have scripture in there. I start and end with John the Evangelist. Yeah. Um, and, um, and to be honest with you, I partially did that because there was a point when I was writing, uh, well, when I was putting together these and writing the, the meditations because they're a little... There's the, as you know, there's the the saints meditation, and then I add a little bit yeah. uh, at the at the bottom. And at one point, um, when I was feeling like I would never meet any deadline, I was at mass, and it was um, it was the gospel from John, um, which I have on the last page of the book, um, where Jesus is speaking to the Father, and um, the that was the gospel the day that day and the the priest god bless him <laughs> said i'm not even going to bother preaching on this gospel because it's too mystical no one can understand it oh, wow. and i wanted to rush the altar and say father don't give up <laughs> you know <laughs> but there's so much more for you there's so much more for your people don't give up on god's people but but as you say I, that word mysticism um it sounds so foreign and exotic to people and it's it's really what we're all called to and it's it, the, the catechism says that and um what all it is is union with god right. <laughs> you know and i say all oh, yeah, that's, right. that's not a very simple thing but but my hope is having having these accessible meditations and appreciating that it's not just the you know the doctors of mysticism like you were saying Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross and, mm -hmm. right it's also Mother Teresa you can't go more practical than Mother Teresa I include Mother Angelica these are not all canonized saints yet um, uh, Mother Angelica because you don't get more practical than she uh, but she wasn't she wouldn't have been able to do everything that she did if she didn't have this deep prayer life, this intimate relationship with with uh, the Trinity, <laughs> you know, each person is a Trinity. Um, one of the things I love about Ignatius of Loyola is his spiritual exercises really, really help you um, appreciate each person, <laughs> you know, um, really each person in the Trinity, really, um, really have a, a newfound appreciation of the presence of Mary in your life. Um, and that you can pray to each one of them in, and in different ways, you know. Um, and not everyone can do like a 30-day retreat with spiritual right. exercises, but everybody can can open up a book like like 
this one, uh, you're with the Mystics, and it's one a day is the idea. And you can, you don't have to start, as you see, Chloe, it's not dated. You don't have to start on January 1st, you know. Um, you also don't have to, um, you know, I love Louis de Montfort consecration um, to Our Lady, um, but I even love even more, and I was a snob about it for a long time. I actually, I wouldn't read Father Gately's because I thought it was like dumbed down, you know, I was going to do the real thing. But how liberating is it to read at the beginning of the book, if you, if you mess up, just keep moving ahead, you know? If you miss a day, like, I'm terrible at novenas. Mm, but, you know, when I miss day two, I just, on day three, I pray day two and day three. It's not the end of the world. You <laughs> Double know? up, yep. So, you know, if, if, you set out, if you set out to to uh, to read a year with the mystics every day for the, for the next year, and you, you don't do it the second day, it's not a problem. Just, just keep going, you know? <laughs> Um, I hope that people experience a lot of freedom if they they buy this book or given it. I actually am probably going to spend more money than I got paid to write it <laughs> to uh, give people copies of it, which is a little awkward because I sort of wish my name wasn't on it. <laughs> like oh, this is not look at me. This is like this is actually. It's more like uh, I I poured my heart into this. Right. You know, this is, this is, um, these are, these are people who have helped me so much and I hope they help you too. Um, and, um, I, I, uh, yeah, I wish I could just give them out to people endlessly, but I, uh, (laughs) we don't get that, that, (laughs) we don't get paid that well. (laughs) Oh, I love it. If people are listening and this is the first time they've heard about a youth of mystics and they're thinking, I need, I want, I want this. I want to learn more about what it means to be a mystic. Where can they find a year with the mystics? So you can get it on amazon.com. Um, you can get it at St. Benedict's press website. Um, there, we should, we should explain it is they did such beautiful job. Oh, it's man. this imitation leather. You know, this is this is the kind of uh, prayer book you want to have. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody should have a couple of these. You know, yes. um, you know, a couple a couple of these beautiful kind of books that that are part part of your life. Um, because um, when you open them up, they just they bring you um, into a deeper relationship with with God. Um, and um, uh, I, I also know that, uh, you know, I think Leaflet Missile and I even saw Target has it, um, That's which awesome. surprised me. <laughs> um, so so um, I, I, I don't know that everyone should rely on the fact they walk into Target and find it. But, <laughs> um, but Amazon, Amazon, too, I, I noticed has um, uh, discounts every once in a while. Yeah. Um, it was like 11% the last time I saw it. But at one point on pre-order, I think it was like 35% off or something. Nice. Um, so, uh, so so hopefully, especially as we, we near Christmas, hopefully mm-hmm. there, there are more, more discounts like that. The other thing I should say, so, so the book is, um, is a little more expensive than the average book because, because of what it looks like. Um, but there's also a much cheaper Kindle version, um, so so people should certainly avail themselves of that if um, if money is a, an issue. That's awesome, Catherine. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience with with Letters to Women and your experience with Pope Benedict XVI. That was beautiful. Holy smokes! But also, oh goodness, so that was so good. But you're you put so much work 
and so much intentional effort into this year with the mystics and it shows and it's so beautiful so i just want to thank you for how much it's impacted my desire to grow deeper in relationship with the lord and i've had it for a couple of weeks oh thank you to god <laughs> I've been, oh, i'm wonderful. very much the, the person who who start oh this is going to be my year and i have skipped a couple of days due to distraction um and i'm working on it but just it's such a beautiful tool. So if you're listening, just I, it's very highly recommended. It's such a beautiful book. But yeah, the Kindle version is a great resource too. So thanks, thanks for coming on and, sh- and sharing your story, Catherine. This has been beautiful. Thank you for what you're doing here, Chloe. It was a joy to talk to you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. If you head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com, you can check out the show notes for today's episode. Also, next time up on Letters to Women, you've asked for it, and I'm finally getting to it because life with a baby is actually pretty crazy. We are chatting about a letter to the woman giving birth, and I'm sharing all the details of Maeve's birth story with you, and I cannot, I can't wait to relive labor. No, but seriously, it was such a positive and beautiful experience, and I don't think there's enough positive birth stories out there, especially if you're a first-time mom getting ready to go into labor. Tune in on Thursday, October 10th for a letter to the woman giving birth. I cannot wait to share that conversation with you. But until next time, be not afraid.